For the fourth series of the Sandwell Stories podcasts, Multi-Story presents Going Green. Seven episodes by seven creators exploring stories connected to Sandwell's local green spaces. Through intergenerational conversations, insightful interviews, spooky tales and well-being walks, they explore how to engage with and appreciate the natural environment on your doorstep, including how to be eco-friendly as a family, how nature is reclaiming old industrial sites and the positive impact nature can have on your well-being. Plus, there's a new scary story based on local folklore. Our seven amazing local creators are Bally Barker, Amy Campbell, Brendan Hawthorne, Vicky Roden, Jamie Upton, Suzanne Spence and me, Grace Dorr. You are listening to episode one. Hello and welcome to Back to Green with Brendan Hawthorne. In this episode I will be looking at some of the changes to our post-industrial landscape here in Sandwell. As heavy industry has declined over the last 40 years or so, factories have fallen into disrepair and subsequently been demolished. We've seen many old brownfield sites developed into housing estates and warehousing once the soil has been deemed to be safe. However, in some cases, nature has been allowed to thrive between the bootmarks of industry and form some of the most beautiful urban parks in the country, and where wildlife is now flourishing. These green oases are a much welcome sight to the weary-eyed views of concrete and tarmac. Tipton was once rumoured to have had more miles of canal than Venice in its heyday, but its polluted waters of the late 60s and 70s were far from picturesque, leisure boats and towpath walkers to enjoy tranquil breaks as they do today. My first guest is Keith Williams. He is a poet, songwriter and performer of dialect. He gives an insight into how past industry dumped its waste indiscriminately and how yesterday's infamous industrial playgrounds became foundations for change. Welcome Keith. Thank you for asking me. Uh, I believe you've got some information about the old industrial past of Sandwell and and its constituent towns. You could say that in my original profession as a career, I had a lot to do with pollution and contamination. And I was introduced to an area of uh, Albury called the Blue Billies. It's the Blue Billies because there's two parts to it, but one of them was extremely badly contaminated. And when my colleague at the time took me to see this phenomenon, uh, a large mound, uh, you could quite clearly pick out the contamination of the area around, uh, including quite close to uh, to uh, domestic premises. So what were the Billies? They were waste from local industry and local mining, but mainly from the glass-making industries, which meant the stuff there was quite potent, uh, both in terms of it being dangerous from a, a toxic point of view and also the gases given off. Okay, so this was effectively a, a, um, an industrial dumping site. Absolutely, and they were quite high. They were certainly higher than the, the neighbouring houses. Okay. So um, tell us the story then, and I believe you've got a poem as well about 
the I area. think really, if I tell you, if I say the poem, yeah. that gives you the details in a conversational way. Fair enough. And I, I hasten to add here that it's in dialect as well, isn't it? It is. <laughs> My native tongue. <laughs> the bluebilly. What same I'm on? Just remember the bluebilly. I should think I done. Where he come from? Do you know that? Why he was west warded from the other side of Albury. Did it smell? Did it smell? Smell? Stink. Why that ain't a strong enough word for what come off that hummock. Mind you, it was so bad after it had settled down a bit. And they do say as how they tried to use it during the war, but it was safe. It day of course some trouble in its time. The waiter what come off that well it war waiter is more like pitch and ten times as awful. And the stream what run at his foot, that was black and all, and the gullies found at the mouth like mad dogs. And when they brought the motorway across, it was in the road wore it. So they had to shift it. It was like unleashing the hounds of hell. What with fumes and smell of brimstone. Hydrogen sulphide or something like that, they said. I reckon that the blokes what drove the lorries and tractors ought to got danger money. I do believe that some blokes did conk out and no wonder neither. Any road. It was still shifted. And the bonks are a bit smaller now and much better looking. You can still see one by the new road, just by the big island to the motorway. But it was so easy to tell as they thought it would be. You could still see brown marks in the grass, what they put on top on it, two years after it had been shifted. Strong stuff, this bluebilly. How does the bluebilly site look now? It's flattened out, and of course most of it did was moved because the the, uh, the motorway went right over the top of it. Um, I'm not sure about the other one. You see, the two bluebillies, as I said, one was the obnoxious one I just talked about, and the other one was almost a playground for the kids. So I'm not sure what it's like now. I haven't been around there for quite a while, but I do remember seeing the disturbance just off the new road, um, just up the way from that island I mentioned, and it was badly scarred. They had to dig the grass out and start all over again with, the, with what they'd dumped in that area. Thank you very much, Keith, for that uh, little snapshot of our borough. And uh, I thank you again for your time. It's a pleasure. Canals provide easy walking by their nature of being flat and access points are being modernised to accommodate walkers with some disabilities. My next guest is Kerry Halford, who works in Sandwell and has recently had some major surgery. She has found that going for walks along the canals has helped her with her recovery from surgery by providing her with somewhere to go, something to do, and to get her back onto the road to fitness. How have you been finding doing your health walks along the canals? <laughs> um, well, I go quite early in the morning. Um, but yeah, I love it because as you, as you move through, we start to get some of the blossoms that will come through in the next uh, month or so. Because I've noticed things like um, kingfishers and, and herons and... Yeah, and um, all sorts of uh, fowl, coots, moorhens, um, you see water, voles, um, yeah, 
lots of ghouls as well, unfortunately, yeah. at times. I mean, I mean, I know that the whole thing has changed generationally anyway, because, I mean, when I was a kid, it was, there were still working boats there. Mm. And clearly now it's nearly all leisure boats, yeah. isn't it, that go along? Absolutely. How would how you find the community of canals? Um... Yeah, I think it depends which canal you walk along, actually. I mean, yeah. you also get a lot of uh, fishermen, and a lot of angling competitions go on um, as well. So, yeah, I mean, they're generally quite friendly um, and considerate and ask what you do and how are you. Uh, and the, the, the leisure boating people do, yeah. definitely. The, yeah. So, um, just explain a little bit about how you uh, utilise, if you like, for want of a better word, the, the, the canal system for your health and well-being. Um, well, it's twofold, really. Um, I like being out in nature, so actually being out along the canals gets you out in nature when you, you haven't got time to kind of get out into the country proper. Um, but also, uh, it's from a health point of view, walking's one of the best things you can do, um, and it's how I try to keep myself fit. Um, haven't been too well lately, just had an operation, so I'm, I'm back out there now trying to build my fitness levels back up um, after my operation. So it's, it's twofold for me. It clears my head, ready for work, um, and it's it's getting me more cardiovascularly fit as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, I suppose for someone like yourself who's in a period of recuperation, um, because the canals, thankfully, by physical laws, are flat. Um, otherwise the water would run out, wouldn't it? Um, it's quite a low impact, isn't it? You can make it what you like by altering you, you can, your speeds. I mean, and There are some canals, particularly where there's the bridges that you go over, it can become quite steep in places. But that's not a bad thing, because that kind of pushes you as well. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it is quite low impact, but then you can challenge yourself, and it's about knowing which canals to go down at that point, really. Yeah, yeah. And how safe do you feel? I mean, do you, do you belong to a group, or would you like to belong to a group? Or um, I don't belong to a group. I think groups are a great idea, but I tend to, to walk on my own. It's, a, it's something I do to kind of have my own space. So you like your own company? Yeah, I do. I do when I'm walking. Yeah, um, I I feel quite safe. I've got to be honest, but um, I'm not the kind of person that gets intimidated very easily anyway. But um, no, I, I find most people are either very friendly or they just kind of walk past you and don't even acknowledge that you you're there really. And of course, we've got these marinas now, haven't we? Yeah. A lot more in the way of marinas where we've actually got communities growing up, literally. On the canal. Yes, where particularly a lot of the builds are around in Samuel now. Yeah, yeah and certainly down in the the old Toll End area, which is where I where my playground was when I was yeah. a kid. Um, there's a marina down there now, and yeah. basically it's like a permanent mooring, isn't it? For yeah. so, um, do you think some identity is coming back on the canals because it was pretty anonymous, wasn't it, for a long period? I think so. Yeah, I think I think there are more people that are actually like you say living. On the water and uh, or holidaying on the water so but also we're building on the water as well so you've got like black lake there's, there's lots of buildings that have kind of come up around the canal system oh again, yeah yeah um which kind of brings it to the forefront again rather than being something that's at a distance because of course a lot of the canals that got filled in used to run through communities didn't they yeah yeah um so i think that's quite nice it's a different element yeah, I mean, I mean, sort of wharfside and canal side residences are pretty much what people seem to want these mm. days, uh, because of maybe because of how green 
the canals have become. Yeah. Uh, and and obviously, if you've got dogs to walk, it literally go through the back gate and you're onto the canal side, aren't you? But um, I mean, do you get many dog walkers going along? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, don't have a dog myself at the moment. Will do shortly again. But yeah, I mean, I've always walked my dogs along canals. So, so what would you consider to be the main benefits of, say, using the canals for walking, for you, for you personally? For me, fitness and just being outdoors in in the open air, um, being closer to nature without actually having to travel too far out, because um, that's quite an important thing for me. It's actually um, seeing plants, seeing animals, um, and, and watching the seasons move. Yeah, so if there's anybody listening to this podcast who's thinking about going out and, and uh, experiencing canal walking for the first time or even just getting back into exercise and thinking about, I don't particularly want to go to a gym or, um, or maybe there's a cost implication as well that people can't go to a gym, what would you say to people to get them to use the canals? I think... Check out the canal paths, check out what the terrain's like and how far you can go. Um, good pair of trainers um, and, and maybe a drink. And then, I mean, I, I sometimes put my ear pods in and, and listen to some music as I'm going through as well and just go out and enjoy it. And uh, you can walk for a few minutes or you can walk for hours. I suppose really with that you can time your way out to know how long it takes you to get yeah. back, can't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Kerry. I mean, that's, that's been a... a a good personal insight into your uh, fitness regime now uh, and uh, hope your preparation goes well. Cycling is going to play a major part in greening up our environment. My next guest is creator of the Leisurely Pedal in Sandwell where you can go on supervised bike rides within the borough, socialise and make new friends as well as take gentle exercise. I chatted to Andrew Felton about his fledgling project. Yeah, so I created the Leisurely Pedal uh, on the back of uh, being involved in uh, someone else's cycling group, um, which I got lots of benefit from, but it was based out in Warsaw um, and I couldn't find anything locally to mainly Wensbury so uh, I kind of took the proverbial bull by its horns and thought I'm going to start my own group um, so the Leisurely Pedal came into being um, we first of all set out um, to do a, 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 a guided ride uh, for the benefit of the community um, we based ourselves at Morrison's, Morrison's were really helpful um, they provided a bit of space for us to store a couple of bikes. Uh, the council provided a couple of bikes. Movington stored them. We were doing a, a ride once a week. Um, so yeah, it, it all based. Uh, it all started sorry from there um, to now where we've uh, found a, a new location at the Millennium Centre on Friar Park. We've got a container. We've got several bikes. Uh, and we're just trying to get a, a cycling activity, get more of the community involved. Um, uh, that's where we are. So, so what for you are the benefits of cycling? Um, you know, because obviously this is not just about uh, 
getting out outdoors is it it's not just about bodily fitness um what other aspects are there that you found with cycling and cycling clubs so as you say it is good for for health benefits um it's easy on your joints for people with bad knees can even get on a bike and cycle um to be out in the fresh air it's good for mental health um it's good for anxiety it helps with symptoms of anxiety and depression um it certainly got me from going to um how can i say a bad place um being out with a group of people it's community based you can talk to people so it improves your health um it's also obviously very good for um the the green aspect of it um no CO2 emissions, um, it's good for the environment obviously. The more green space we've got, certainly around Wensbury, the more we can utilise the green space, the better. Uh, the more people that will come cycling, the more green space we need. Um, yeah, so it's not only health, but it's environment as well. Yeah, I think, I think we also need to get away, don't we, from the fact that um with cycling at the moment, it's it's like, if, let's find a green space and cycle around it. Uh, I think that's about getting the confidence, isn't it, for people to start riding bikes again. I mean, I know for a fact that I haven't ridden a bike for years, uh, but I need to get out there and do it. And it's about having that safe space, isn't it, because of the, the way the roads are at the moment. It's having this confidence building as well, isn't it, within that? Yeah, certainly the, 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 the traffic environments, certainly on the outskirts of town, the main roads, you do need to stay cleared of it as much as you can. Uh, but the local roads through the town um, uh, are okay. There's not so much of a problem uh, with the changes in the highway code as well. More and more motorists, myself as a motorist, are now more aware of cyclists when I'm in my car. And when I'm on my bike, I'm more aware of motorists. Um, and it's, it, it was daunting for me at first because I've never ridden on roads. Uh, but once you've done it and you understand um, and get used to it, it really isn't so much of a problem. Uh, yes, you get the odd mad motorists. But as a motorist, you also get the odd mad cyclist. You just need to find middle ground. Um, and nine times out of ten, it really isn't a problem. It's about being nice as a road user, isn't it, really? However you use the road systems. Absolutely, whether you're in a, whether you're in a car, whether you're on a bike, and whether you're pedestrian. Yeah. It, it's all about getting on with each other. Um, so I'm not, I, I'm, I don't have a problem getting on my bike, riding down the road. And to be fair, if you're going to commute, yeah, we need more cycle lanes, we need more connectivity. Um, but at some point you've got to go on a road because just you can't go to where you're going to go to without getting on a road. And and if anybody wants to uh, contact you, um, what's uh, can you just run through the name of your club and are you on Facebook or or anything like that? Yeah, so we have uh, we have a Facebook group. Um, I think you can Google the Leisurely Pedal Wensbury, um, but. We are the Leisurely Pedal. We're based at the Millennium Centre at Friar Park. 
Um, there's flyers and, and cards in, in the centre. Um, they are round and about Wensbury Town as well in different locations. Um, people can pick them up. Um, and we will be, as the weather improves, we will be putting on more activities based at the Millennium Centre. Uh, there'll be a weekly, a weekly-led ride and weekend activities for families, children, learn to rides, improving cycling, um, cycling skills. Um, so yeah, it's all uh, it, it's we 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 we're gonna get get things improving and get more people onto onto bikes. Okay, let's let's uh, push the cycling revolution anyway forward in Wensbury. Our next guest is Shona Gilsonen, who is a local filmmaker, photographer. Hello, Shona. Hello, Brenda. Um, you see um, our world, if you like, our environment, um, really through a different format, don't you? You know, we've 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 spoken about artists and uh, poets and and writers, but um, with your industry and your interests, you're a keen photographer, aren't you? Yeah. In particular, industrial sites and which have become heritage well, sites. Well, how it's come about is always had an interest in photography and sort of seeing things from a different angle. Um, and I've been blessed with the work I've I've done over the last few years is is actually going out and, and exploring the the local landscape. So whether that be industrial or you know sort of local parks. Um, but a lot of the work I've done has been around sort of the, the heritage and buildings and the canal systems um, of. Of the area and so definitely uh, it's it's although there's an appreciation there anyway because as, as that as anybody would appreciate uh, canals and, and, and architecture but I suppose when you know you've got to go and um, explore it and, and try and capture the best part um, it really gives you it opens your eyes really to sort of how beautiful um, industry can be mm. and how it changes as well absolutely I mean as a writer I, I paint my pictures with words um, obviously, as a photographer, yours is about composition and the story it tells, isn't it? Yeah. So, what what do you think would make um, you know? What sort of things do you look for to to tell a story, if you like? Uh, do you look at um, is it is it always a historical approach, or or, or or is it that it could be a bit of detritus left lying around on the side of a canal that may tell another story? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I suppose it depends what what you're working on, really, or you know what your what your aim is for that day you know it could be something just as uh, you know you want to capture for yourself or you want to you know shout to the world about um, so I suppose it depends on on what your brief is um, and your purpose for that day but but certainly um, you know there's it's it's about really capturing as as much but in a, in, a, in a fine way you know so you're not overdoing it with what you're getting in there um, and it's about lighting it's about angles um, and, and really like I say if you want to show somebody something that they maybe haven't seen before it's about choosing that that right space to go from isn't it so. absolutely um, I, I, I mean I am a fan of your photography so you know obviously um, I want to to share what you do with a broader audience um, and I know that we've spoken at length about um, the, it's not it's not so much about the grand factories, is it, that have just been left to decay, or the the big sites that have just been left in this sort of abandoned situation. It it can sometimes be um, a rope mark on a canal bridge, mm-hmm. or it can be 
um, an old tether that's been left, you yeah. know, a cast iron or a, an old chain link that's been left behind. I mean, um, yeah, some of the work maybe you haven't seen, it's, it's sort of my um, my other side is, is actually what's inside the building. So you've got, um, you know, buildings that have been left for decades and, you know, having having an eye through there and seeing what's, what's left and the history, mm. you know, notes pinned on a notice board and you know gloves left in a drawer um you know this is somebody's life every day they come to work you know and work 40 hours a week in this space and and now it's empty and you know it just fills me with awe to look around and just capture those tiny things and just try and imagine what it was like um it's, the, it's industrial ghosts and echoes yeah. isn't it uh, as somebody who worked in a factory for 18 years and first part of my life um the rituals of factory life must have uh, which have continued traditionally over you know decades have obviously left their their mark or their recording within that building mm. haven't they and i think i think maybe just to tune in sometimes to those echoes yeah so. definitely yeah it's um it, it's more than just building isn't it it's it's the people and their lives there and some people you know that it's sort of out of the area but there were some cooling towers um, that I photographed and sort of went in the space and I know that people have lost their lives building those towers mm. you know so it's you know we drive past or we walk through um, and see all these different sort of landscapes but actually there's so much more to just something to look at it's, it's really interesting yeah I mean going to the the area of Ocker Hill, Hill um, where we had um, the three cooling towers which were an absolute landscape landmark mm. of industry and as you say people lost their lives building these structures mm. um, but then in the 1960s they built three tower blocks on the opposite side of things which sort of mirrored the three cooling mm. towers and I always remember it was known as the gateway to Tipton you know this golden gateway of cooling towers and <laughs> high-rise tower blocks yeah. But again, that that's part of the environment in which we live, isn't it? And, yeah. and again, uh, I suppose really where we're getting to with all of this is to enjoy going out for a walk and uh, enjoying these greened-up spaces now that are developing and, and becoming laden with a lot of nature. Um, but there are also the stories that have been left behind. And I think this can actually make your experience of that walk much more dimensional than a walk if you want it to be. Yeah. And I think for writers and artists and photographers and sound recordists, um, we're entering a phase now where our industrial heritage, even though it has uh, been left uh, in ruin to, to much of a degree, still has a voice in our environment. Yeah. And um, how would you like to sum up what what you try to uh, put into your photographs what story is it you're telling I think it's about appreciating you know what what has been and, and what is to come and sort of showing people that um, just because something's left or abandoned or you know maybe you don't use that space um, doesn't mean it hasn't made a part of where you where you live now or where you work now so it's about actually capturing everything and and saying this is us this is this is who we are now because of what we see and um and yeah so if i can just open people's eyes and to appreciate that building or that you know 
that, that canal system or that particular walk they do, looking in, looking through a different angle, um, then that's fantastic. Shona, thank you very much for the interview. Thank you, Brendan. A big thank you to my guests for their insight into our emerging natural landscapes. And whether you're a writer, historian, artist or photographer, maybe someone who needs to get a bit fitter or engage with the natural environment on your doorstep, seek these places of history and beauty out. Join a group or club. But remember, always be safe and do not put yourself at risk. And always seek medical advice before embarking on any exercise routines. Enjoy what's out there at a pace fit for you. Back to Green Awaits. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. The Sandor Stories podcasts were created during a 12-week training course delivered by Multistory from December 2022 to March 2023. Thanks to all the creators and those they interviewed, and to Gabby Songe, the project coordinator, Marley Starsky-Butler, the production assistant, and Becky Sexton, project manager at Multistory. Multistory is a community arts organisation based in Sandra. Find out more at multistory.org.uk.